I'm working in JavaScript. I'm happy. I did wonder if we should, uh, I, have a, I have a suggestion or a, a question maybe. That's about a slight tweak to our format. To the format, huh? Yeah. And that's, because we kind of did it, I think we've kind of started doing it subconsciously maybe, or, or more like half-acidly, which is doing um, more topical stuff, like up front, like, mm-hmm. you know, stuff that's more just on topic, and then saving random stuff for later, almost kind of like a post, post-game show. And the reason oh. I thought about that is just because I've, I've, I've seen people make comments about, I'll just skip this part or, or whatever. I don't know. No, that makes sense. I think, I think we did get this kind of mode where we would and we the, certain <laughs> things we would want to cover really quickly, the news and things like that. And then we start getting into kind of the more just general topics that we just wanted to kind of expand, you know, just casually discuss, I guess. Yeah. And then there was the guy that complained that we waited too long to get to Salesforce. <laughs> You're not gonna let that go. No, because no, I, I think it's hilarious. <laughs> I just love that people. I mean, I guess that's good for reviews, but it cracks me up that people would take time out of their day to complain about a podcast <laughs> instead of just not listen. But hey, that's, like I said, all feedback is good feedback. Yeah, that one's good. I've gotten a lot of mileage out of that one. It cracks me up. But uh, then, I'm, then I'm like, you know, I'm, there's a lot of people that are, that enjoy our our stupid banter about drinks and whatever. Moving it to the end, that's that's uh, saying that's, no, I don't know. I don't know that one's more important to me than any of the others. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway. No, I just thought, I don't know. I actually kind of rearranged my topics for today with that kind of in mind. But oh, you know, So you want to get see. to the meat of it, the, the, I, the yeah, lightning just kind of jump right into, into that. Well, and especially think about, here's, here's one thing to think about. People that are listening for the first time. I mean, every week we probably have, you know, two or three new people listening. <laughs> What was that? You still have your things in? Yeah. What hold you, on. Yeah, you're, you're double double headsetting it here. Wow. <laughs> well, sometimes I I want to drown you out when you're talking, so oh. I play something, but it doesn't seem very comfortable. Yeah. What was I saying? Oh, yeah. So the, the people that are listening for the first time, I mean, if if for 15 minutes we're just droning on about some random crap that's really not what we're kind of about, then that's I could see how they'd be like, oh, screw this. How do, why did I even <laughs> <laughs> subscribe to this podcast? What is this? Uh. <clears throat> so anyway, um, oh, I we know we let we let a, an important date pass with without mention, and that's that um, we've been doing this podcast for over three years now. I went, I actually went all the way. I had to go to our website, and it kept keep hitting older over and over and over. And it, but yeah, it was like <laughs> October or something of two thousand. I think you probably could have gotten there faster going to iTunes, and then I don't know. Does iTunes still have everything? Mm-hmm. It does. Okay, I don't know if stuff dropped off. I guess I could put a new now that now that there's so many episodes up, I could put a new um, uh, a new page up that kind of organizes the the uh, episodes. Yeah, like time frame no. or whatever. I don't know if it matters. Probably not. But uh, yeah, over three years. Wow, I know. I also noticed we had there was a couple of times where we had like a two or three month gap between recordings. Yeah, that was the I don't know first year, year and a half we. We weren't really Very consistent. Spotty. Yeah. Anyway, back to being consistent. So today's Wednesday, the sixteenth, and tomorrow Salesforce uh, releases their. Is it their Q three? God, they're they're 
fiscal quarter always or their fiscal year always confuses me. I think it's Q three. Yeah, I think so because what the year end is in February. Right? Oh no, it's Q four because no. the, their fiscal year starts in February. Oh no, you're right. Yeah, they're starting yeah. Q four, so they'll be releasing Q three results. Right. That's right. So that'll be fun for the next episode. But I've, I've seen some people point out so, and this is a. Again, although, I, boy, I feel like, it, you know, all it takes is a presidential election to remind me about how much other people around the world give bit, bit. about our politics. <laughs> it just blows my mind. But um, Salesforce's stock has not participated in We've had this kind of Trump stock market rally, like Dow's hit records. Mm-hmm. Um, Dow, S&P, and NASDAQ, you know, have all been up quite a bit. Gold's at like a 14-year high. Or, yeah, or the dollar, sorry. It's the dollar's at a 14-year high, I think. Probably the opposite of gold, but uh, still, you know, I've seen people commenting and these analysts. I was watching some video, some I think it was I don't know what it was, some YouTube video of some analyst guy, but he's talking about how um, they're a little concerned about Salesforce stock because it hasn't participated participated in the Trump rally that what people are calling this Trump rally. Mm. And then I, think I got to think, I wonder if that's because you know Mark was all in on Hillary, right? I mean, he he announced that what a year ago that he was all about. Um, I think so. You you remember that? I like Hillary. And uh, I like uh, Hillary Clinton. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, he he was a big Hillary supporter, and because he gets so political. Oh, and also he battled Mike Pence in Indiana. Mm. And so I wonder if people are, if people if there's just there's concern now that you know um, a Salesforce a big Salesforce foe is now going to be going to be running the country for for at least four years. I don't. I don't know if that's true. I don't think so either. But I just. I, I just wondered why they. It was an interesting thought. It's like, oh, I wonder if this. I mean, their stock is literally like not participating. In fact, it was. It kind of took a. I don't know about a five percent dip, whereas all the uh, these other stocks were up. It just never seemed that the the analysts put too much into that. I. I, I mean, there was it was always about you know what features Salesforce are releasing or you know what what their story is at that point in time. You know, it never seemed to be influenced by other things like that. It always seemed to be very, very focused. I think it was more about the... Look at the deferred revenue number. That's yeah. what it was more about. So I don't know. I mean, yeah. that could be a good thing. It's yeah. not swaying either way, so... Or largely either way. So we have a couple of things. I know you've got... You want to talk about Lightning? And then also, you know, Benioff was at that code conference. I guess it was Recode. And they do... Mm-hmm. Uh, it was like a sub-conference. It was called Code... Or Recode Enterprise, I guess. And I pulled some clips from that. So you want to do Lightning first? Yeah. Okay. Let's switch things up. All right. Let's jump into that. Although I, I'm not sure exactly how to start this because I don't, I, f- I feel like I have to put a disclaimer up and, and just say that, you know, I'm, I'm learning as I go, just like everyone else. You know, information is pretty scarce. You, you have all the trail. How is that possible? Well, it, it's kind of hard to say. Well, first of all, I'm not doing trailhead. I, I, I'm just not going to do it. I don't have time. I really don't have time to do the trailhead. Is it, okay. Let me ask you then is why i mean is this not a good way to learn is it is it a slow way to learn well it, it's just my own personal preference i think i don't i don't have time to sit there and just go through these pre-planned exercises i i i can do that on my own i can read documentation in a better way or in a faster way i don't know you're well, saying you don't have time well i've got a, i got real stuff to build i don't have time to sit here and i've already spent a ton of time that i'm not charging because i'm, I'm kind of in this learning phase with right. all these different things oh yeah and a lot of it is just you know vagueness in the documentation and, and here's the thing if trailhead is better and, and and salesforce is putting all their efforts into for people to learn this stuff through trailhead 
does that mean that the documentation is getting neutered? That it's not as thorough? That it's not kept up to date as much? That, I've, I've seen no I, evidence I of like that. the documentation. Yeah. I prefer the documentation. I prefer right. reading it and, and understanding things at a, at a different level. Not just what I see point and click happening, but I want to understand what's going on, what, what ties together, what doesn't tie together, because those interactions to me are important to understanding how this works overall and how I should do things, you know, how I should apply what I'm going to call best practices, which you hate. <laughs> so I'm a little concerned because the path I chose is I'm going to focus on the documentation. I'm going to focus on doing and applying it to what, to my real world problems. I don't want to sit there and, and point and click and do a bunch of trailhead exercises. It's, yeah. it's just not my thing. Well, I mean, back to the documentation thing. I don't, I would, I would be very surprised if they were planning to reduce document. It's not a replacement for documentation. I don't think it's intended that way. And I've seen no evidence that they have slacked off on any documentation ever. Have you? No, no. I just, I just, I haven't, I haven't dipped my toe into the lightning for trailhead to know whether or not it covers things in more, more thoroughly than, than say the documentation that I'm reading, which is just the, the actual, well, I'm using the combination of the PDF document of, um, you know, all the lightning stuff and the website, basically. Well, you know me, I mean, maybe I'm a conspiracist, but I think it all, I think it all goes back to... It is absolutely my dream, and I'm dedicated to being the fastest to 10 billion. I don't this, think so. No, it is, because one of Salesforce's messages is, use Salesforce, it's this low-code platform, you don't have to have real programmers anymore. Another, I think, part of the strategy of Trailhead is, we've got this you don't have to, you don't, you, your people don't have to know anything. You, we've got this great self-guided thing that, you know, will teach them everything they need to know. They don't, and they don't have to worry about, you know, taking these, the technical manuals home. They can just do this and become trailblazers and, Yeah, but you know, I think all, that's a different audience. I, I think there's, there's the, the casual developers or the guys that what, are just What is in. a different audience? What do you mean? I think, I, I guess Trailhead. I don't know. I don't learn that Different way. That's from not what? the way I want. Uh, okay. Maybe That's I fair. do learn that way, but I don't want to learn that way. I want to read the technical stuff. I want to read and understand the tech. I read the entire Lightning document twice. I'm still trying to read it again because I haven't picked up. Well, anything. maybe you should just just should have done Trailhead. <laughs> no, it's not what I want to do. You want to read the documentation three times instead? Yes. <laughs> okay. I'm kind of. I'm half not joking on that. Like maybe you should just do the Trailhead. <laughs> No, yeah, I, I, no, and that's that's a good point. I mean, people learn in very different ways. I'm also very much a, I have to sit down, I have to read it for myself, and I have to I have to do stuff. Yeah. Now, Trailhead is kind of fits that bill to some degree. I mean, part of Trailhead is you kind of sit down and do stuff for real, and that's really good for people who are is it is it tactile learners or kinesthetic or whatever. I think so. Um, I mean, I learned by you're, you're doing. doing instead of just reading like a doc documentation that just is kind of almost just like a. It's a it just describe instead of just describing the system to you, yeah. like it's telling you, okay, go do this in the system. Now go do that in the system, and right. there's really no substitute for doing when it comes to learning. I think. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't want to take this down a, a road of you know what's better and what's not. I just just my preference was I, I went to the documentation and 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 the reason I'm I'm saying that is because there was there were certain things that were pretty vague in certain areas that just didn't make sense. And I had to kind of just work through it and figure out what was going on just by doing and trying to read and learn as much as I could I mean, from he, event logs and transaction logs and documentation. And then even the examples, I tried to scour the web for, you know, blog posts and things like that, which is pretty sparse at the moment. Yeah, A lot of people have some really simple use cases that they kind of put up there for a nice blog post to say, hey, here's how you do this in Lightning. But it doesn't really cover things in a way that needs to be. And I'm not so sure, I thought about it, I, I probably should blog and share my story on this, but I, 
my, my fear is that I see, I feel like I'm going down a tangent when I say this, but my fear with lightning is, is I want to understand things a little bit more before I start writing about it. Because what I found is people online looking at my blog and looking at my examples, they don't want to learn. They want to, they want my code. Oh, you know, yeah. they, they want my code to compile. They want, they want to take my code and put it in and tweak it for they what don't they care need. about your story. They're trying to, right. they're trying to, right. Yeah. Because <laughs> early on, when I first started my blog, I just, I talked about they're trying things, to copy and paste code. <laughs> I, and I, and I wrote code, but it was more just to illustrate the point. It didn't even compile. Yeah. You know, I had little errors here and things like that. You know, it didn't even come with full class structures or anything like that. And then I started getting a lot of requests for, well, how, I, this didn't work. And, and it felt like in the comments, they're saying, you're an idiot. Your stuff doesn't work. It doesn't even compile. And, you know, so I started writing code that compiled as examples and, and doing that. And I found that people were just kind of just taking the code and copying and pasting. In fact, a few times I'd log into to a, a client's org and found my code. Yeah. I'm like, I, I didn't, I've never written in this org, yeah. but that's my code. Right. <laughs> so I, I guess it's flattering to a point, but at the same time, I, I think I need to understand this more before I start writing about it because I know the, the I know how people are going to try to use that information, and I just don't think I'm at a point where my code is easily can can be distributed at no, this point. Well, I think maybe you, I mean I can see you writing a post that has a different <laughs> goal. It's not maybe maybe it's the the goal of a post would not be to educate and here's working code. Maybe the goal of the post, especially if you see if you're if you're because okay, you're this is a great opportunity because you you're learning things you didn't already know mm-hmm. and you're you're working in a system you haven't worked in before and so you're you're not biased by all this existing knowledge you you're literally going through the process of learning this for the first time which actually surfaces all kinds of issues right which now it if, is. now if it's a if it's a well built and a mature system it's not going to be as much but if you're seeing a lot of things that are issues or just things that were are counterintuitive or that you didn't expect or anything that any of that kind of stuff that's that's I think it's informative to also write about um, number one, just for others that may be experiencing the same thing, but also for Salesforce. Like uh, that would be feedback that would be good to get back to them. Yeah, I think so. I think a lot of what I'm going to say, and, and it's actually one of the things I wanted to say is that you know, I think a lot of the things I came across are things that can be fixed. And it is, I, I'm, I'm going to use the word immature. I still feel it's all very immature. Um, and one of the things that bothers me is, um, because things are, are are very early and there's there's there is some immaturity there, when I come across an error that I feel is a bug, I don't really know if it's a bug because I, I have no past experience to draw from to say, you know what, this used to work, this doesn't work, this is a definite bug. So I spend a lot of time figuring out did I do something wrong? Did I did you use something the way I wasn't supposed to use it? Uh, because there's really very little guidance on that in, in terms of how you build these things. Um and so it was kind of, I spent a lot of time just trying to figure out, you know, am I just dumb or is this a real bug in the system? Or, or did I just not understand how to use this? Um, so there's a lot of that in my list because I, I have a long list. I, I basically opened up my Evernote as I was developing and started making notes of things that I either didn't understand or that were bugging me or just looked like a real bug or that I thought was just crap. But I don't want this to be about, you know, oh, this sucks, don't do it. It's just, you know, here's my story. Yeah, here's no, what I went that's through. good. I mean that's I think that's in, I think that's instructive. Well, let's say, so you want to get to some content here? Yeah, I mean, okay. well, one of the first things I did is I did go out and install the uh, the command line interface for the linter, and that's basically piggyback piggybacking piggyback piggybacking mm-hmm. yep. <laughs> off of um, the Heroku. What used to be Toolbell is now called the command line, so the Heroku CLI. 
um, and there's a plugin for it. So you, you make sure you install the Heroku command line, and then you tell Heroku to install the Lightning. A linter. command line linter? Yeah. So what do you do? Drop into a terminal and run something to lint your code? Right, right. Just in the terminal? You get terminal output? Mm-hmm. You don't get it in an IDE? It's not, you're not getting... No. no. Okay. I, I guess because it takes your files, reads them, sends them to Heroku, Heroku lints them, and then sends them back, I'm assuming. Oh God! It's not I'm local. A, I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I'm assuming it could you know, be local. Again, uh, again, some things. Bear with me. I mean, I, I'm new at this, and I just installed it because this, these are the tools that they said here use this. This this is a part of the problem with a company that was kind of born in the cloud is that uh, it's just like they think everything's got to be cloud. I, I, don't, we're, I, don't we're, know, I don't know that it is. I don't know well, that it's actually sending anything. I, I didn't do a trace or anything to see if that data is actually going to a server. I'm just guessing. You can't tell. I don't know. I just run the command line, and it comes back and tells me what it does. I mean, if it's anything more than bait, pretty much immediate, it's going over the network. Especially if you're talking about linting like a single, no, it, know, it a, is a couple immediate. of files. It is, yeah. Okay, well, it's probably not. It's probably not. Yeah, maybe it's not. I mean, has 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 compiling slash linting uh, anything with Salesforce before been anything other than pretty slow for you until now? That's true. Okay, so it's got to be local. Well, that, it, it, it's probably local. Yeah, I mean, hard to say. I don't know. Either way, I, I mean, you just you just tell it the 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 path of where your files are. You can get a granular to down to a file or even to a directory and just tell it to lint them and it'll come back with some output. Um, and so that helps because the, the main reason I want to do that is I wanted to make sure I was, I was starting with the mentality of the locker service. You know, I, I didn't want to build things and gain some bad habits that I'm going to have to unlearn when locker service actually becomes permanent. Yeah. Um, right now it's kind of optional and I'm not sure how much of it is actually locked down. They keep delaying the that, right? Yeah, yeah, but I, I think... I think I'm not sure. I'm not sure what my opinion on it, on it on it is. I mean, I understand why they're doing it and and the problem it solves in terms of security. It just it create it creates a lot of problems. Is my understanding really limits things you can do? Well, I think early adopters kind of um, did a lot of stuff that you know isn't necessarily considered best practice for security, and so do you, do you have any kind of example? I, I don't know. I'm guessing. Okay. Um, because we, I mean, we have a lot of examples of people that have all these new lightning interfaces, and it's all lightning, and it's lightning, light, lightning. We have the the lightning component store, and all that kind. I'm of just stuff. trying to think of something that you could do that would be a security problem. Well, I mean, there's there's they abstract the the global window object from you. They abstract a bunch of things. The linter rec, um, discourages certain types of you know coding styles and things, which I'll bring up later on that we have some audio to kind of talk about, but. Um, so it does a lot of that stuff to try to to make sure that your what you're building is secure. Yeah. Um, and also, I think the whole namespacing thing is new too. I don't think before the namespacing was as prevalent. I'm not sure. Mm. Again, I'm learning. Yeah. You know, don't don't take everything I say as is the truth or it's from a genius source yeah. or anything i'm you're, learning you're not just quite like everyone ready to, else you're is. not quite ready to write the book on it no i'm not <laughs> I'm, I'm learning like everyone else is and i you know i do make some assumptions i do make some guesses uh, just based on my observations and my experience i'm so. just happy you actually have an opportunity to, to do something with lightning well i've been playing with it for a while and i have done some smaller things and this one was kind of a couple of smaller things that are going to a whole new level of, of just deeper learning in terms of how everything works and how you know how to build it the best way um so We'll just get into it. So, so one of the things I, I did is um, a few months ago, I built some related lists, and these were customer related lists in Visual Force because they they wanted to st- because for some reason 
Salesforce doesn't think you need a filterable related list. I don't know why, but they don't think you need that. <laughs> yeah, right. So doesn't I, Lightning I, have those though? Uh, not Lightning had that. They have. You can go. You can drill into it to the to see more of the related list yeah. on that new screen, and then they have filter options on there, so you can filter it there. Okay. Um, but it, it's it's you know it's a lot more clicks, and that's one of the complaints a lot of people have as well. It's a lot more clicks to get in this thing. Yeah. To get to things I want. Um. So, anyways. Um, you have a billion dollars of AI so that you know which email to read, <laughs> but you know you can't get a filtered related list. Yeah. So, anyways, I, I built a couple of those, and and um, one of them one of them is actually toying with the idea or experimenting with a few users to to go to Lightning. They feel they they might be ready to, or there's enough feature enablement that they can do that. So, some of the things I've built, you know, we're 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 tackling this slowly. So, it's the smaller things that I built that we're trying this out with. Um, and so, my goal was to replicate the related list, and this is on context to look exactly like Salesforce would build it. And I, I modeled it after the Salesforce related list, which has the tiled interface with the, the icon and the, and the things in a kind of list below it, not so much a table. And I also implemented all the features to do the, the edit commands, the new commands, uh, the view all to another component page that had the full list of, of everything because you only have a subset um, and, and just went from there. So pretty simple, right? Yeah, I mean, nothing really complicated, not a huge application, just a handful of components. Um, so everything was going pretty good. I I understood the structure I had to work with. You have your JavaScript controller. You have your JavaScript helper. You have your, um, your actual component file. You have a component design file. Uh, you have a component styling file. You have... These are the ones I didn't use, but... Um, you have a renderer file, which I didn't use. I haven't didn't have a need for that. And there's um, an SVG file, which I think is, I want to say, I think is how you put a custom icon for your component. Yeah. Um, but I didn't, I didn't really need to do that, so I, I didn't get into that. Okay. Um, and then of course you have your Apex controller that surfaces all your information to your, to your stuff. Mm, okay. Um, so the, the, using some kind of um, what do they call them? Yeah, the, it's an attribute on your, on your. Um, methods and properties on the class called aura enabled. Okay. Does that make it almost automatically like some kind of rest or some kind of yeah, web service much, or something? Yeah, just okay. service, yeah. So, I mean, and, and the important thing to remember about this structure is that your controller class, your apex controller, I have to be specific. Yeah. <laughs> um, it essentially is a web service at that point. When yeah. when you do when you mark something as aura enabled, you have to think of it and treat it as a web service method. Right. Um, and and I'll tell you this because in my head, as I was writing as I was writing this component, my first step was to initialize the component to get the information I needed, uh, and that was to go and get a bunch of account or contacts for this account. And then later on, I, I was that was just the base simple part of it because the other part of this um, related list requirement is that I have a field set that controls what shows up in there, so they can go and change you know what fields actually show up in this component. And that was a carryover from my from my original implementation, and so I built it first without that, just trying to get everything to look and work right, and then I added that on. Well, dumb me, I added another method in my helper and and another method in my com Apex controller, and so I tried to call get contacts and then go get fields, and then I don't know for some reason I thought that was right, hmm. and so I ended up making two calls two transaction calls to the server. Yeah. Instead of treating it like an, an API call and saying, oh, go initialize this component, send me back everything I need. 
which right. at the end of the day ended up being a, a reference to the count object, a reference to the list of contacts that I was going to display and the fields that I want to display. So what do you, do you, how do you get those back? The, is there just some return value that's, that's just like a JavaScript um, like structure, basically? That's just Yeah, uh, I mean, you're, you're basically, in, when you do that, when you make those calls, you, you queue it up. You, there's a method you call, you know, enqueue this, this, this request. Um, and I, I'm assuming that, that what Salesforce tries to do, uh, again, I'm assuming, I don't know for sure, that they might try to, you know, queue all those up and it just has this huge transaction log that it goes. I don't know if it tries to group those or whatever it tries to do. Queue sounds slow to me. <laughs> and then I hear the word queue, I'm like, really? We've got some user waiting on something they clicked and you're, yeah. you're using the word queue with me? Right. But but it's, it's to me, it's almost just a wrapper around, you know, an Ajax call because that's, that's the same structure. You, you tell it what method to call and you get... You get a response back and you have state within that response. You can say it succeeded or it failed or it didn't respond. Then you just deal with those scenarios. Um, and so you do just get a, there's a variable you call to get the response value. And then you get it and it's either whatever you pass back directly. Or in my case, I created a wrapper object, a data structure that, you know, represented all the stuff I would get mm, back. Okay. And then you just map that to your variables in the UI or into your component. Mm. Sorry. All right. It's it's a long. It's I feel it's a long and and tedious story, and I don't want to impart that tediousness on onto the audience by describing every little thing. But I mean, that's kind of. I mean, I'm just interested in like your takeaways. I mean, like. Well, that was the baseline of kind of what I did, and I feel like I just need to set up the baseline. So, um, at this point, I'm okay with everything so far. You know, everything's kind of working. I made some mistakes. You know, the mistakes that I think are going to be common are. Knowing which variable context you're in, that was painful because it, there's kind of some magic. For all your attribute variables on your component, you access them with a V. So you say V dot whatever. That's, you know, very, I guess, synonymous with variable. Yeah. Um, for anything on your controller, your methods and things that you're calling, it's C. Or it's actually your namespace. But if you don't have a namespace, then it's C. That's um, weird. And in some cases, like in, it, in my case, when you're in an iteration... There is no, your, your context is your variable. So once you iterate, you know, just like you would a um, repeater in visual force, you, you know, you give it your collection and then you give the, each, each entry a, a variable name. Mm-hmm. So in this case, you don't need a V or C. You're just accessing that variable name that you put in the iterator. Yeah. It's also, I mean, I, and I haven't, I don't know enough about it. I mean, it's some of the things, some of the things you're describing sound, don't sound right to me. But I, I, I need to learn. I should go through and learn more before I. Because well, you know, the I mean, there, there's nothing validating that the linter doesn't cover your component, your HTML markup. It only covers your JavaScript, the JavaScript. files. Yeah, that's, that's reasonable. So there, there was a time where I was for about an hour trying to figure out why my stuff wasn't working or showing up. Everything I checked all the all the um, logs and everything I had access to, and the data was coming back, but it wasn't showing up. And it turns out I forgot to put a v dot in front of my variable. There was no error. It just it, it it didn't know about this variable. This variable didn't exist anywhere else. So there was no warning or, or error that said, "Oh, you tried to access a variable that I don't know about." It just it was just it undefined. Just, just no. It just yeah. It was undefined because yeah. it's JavaScript. So it just it just didn't show value. Right. And I Got thought it. I thought everything was broken. No Got data was coming yeah. back. That's that's modern web <laughs> development for you. And then that gets into some of the tools that, that we have available. So the tools you have is the the Lightning Inspector, which you can install for Chrome. And that gives you access to uh, the event lo- or the events that are 
you can record what events are actually happening when your page loads, and you can also um, record all the actions that are going through. Now, the action tab, and that's everything that your your controller or your helper classes typically, which your helper classes call back to your Apex controller. Mm-hmm. So all those calls, they're considered actions. Yeah. So all those actions will get logged there, and then you have the transaction. Then you have your performance log, which shows everything in the time and how much it took. Speaking of performance, I mean, what has performance been like? Uh, crappy. Really? Yeah. And you and is when it you, just load time, or is it is it everything? Well, well, yeah. It, it's going to take us on a tangent, but I, it's worth getting into. Um, when you, when you look at the inspector and you look at everything that's happening, your page loads, uh, and then all of a sudden all these components start making requests. And I don't know if this is a good thing. It's, it's, in my opinion, Salesforce took what used to be a single call to the server, hey, get me this page, which was one transaction, and turned it into something that maybe calls 20 or 30. It was one transaction. 20 or 30 transactions. Yeah, and it was, I mean, also think about, you know, just just the, the HTTP call to get the the actual HTML document. Yeah. Like that, that actually, I mean, subtracting any, uh, there is there is some kind of Ajaxy stuff going on, even in, even in Salesforce Classic, but subtracting that, like, Everything happens on the server to generate this HTML markup, mm-hmm. and that's going to be getting accounts and contacts and recently used and recently viewed and all those things. Right, all happens at once under one HTTP call. Because right. I mean, that's what's so expensive is all these calls. It's, it's the round trip time. Now, again, now I, I, modern I, browsers will let you. I mean, you used to could only have two. What was it? Two open HTTP requests to a domain at a time. But I, I think I don't even know what the number is now because I think browsers are always kind of. Um, modifying that to, mm-hmm. to optimize. But I think it's like 10 or more. So you can have a lot more simultaneous open requests, but they still take time. And a lot of them are ha- have to be somewhat synchronous. So basically, a call gets made. And, and yeah, 10 can happen at once, but some of those calls, the result of those, are going re- to re- result in subsequent calls being made right. based on the data go back the first time. And obviously, you want to you try to optimize those away so that Everything can be everything can be done at once, and you actually want to optimize it so that. I mean, when you when you've got an API that's pretty much for one client, I mean, you can totally optimize that API for that client. So, mm-hmm. if loading, you know, a certain screen requires, you know, four or five different types of data, right. well, just make make an API call that you. That you can say, "Hey, get me this thing," and it returns you this data structure that's got those four or five different types of things on it, right. instead of having to make four different calls. Yeah. Now, I don't, I don't know if that if on page load, if, if Salesforce tries to, since since we are since we all have to queue these up using this method, I don't know that that Salesforce hasn't tried to or isn't packaging those up into one call, like basically basically creating this queue and sending the queue to the server, letting this, this the server process everything in that queue and then sending it back. I don't know if that's the case. Yeah, and this is so the blind leading the blind. This is this is hilarious, but yeah. <laughs> um, but I think maybe part of Lightning service or Lightning Locker. Sorry, Locker. What's it called? Locker service. Locker. The Locker Lightning Locker is that it, it can't optimize because your component can't know what my component's doing, and my component can't know what your component's doing because we might you know we might hack each other. So therefore, we have to make separate. They have to be separate requests. We can't join together and say, "Hey, let's just share some API call to get everything." They kind of have to operate separately. They've they're they've got their own um, little firewalls around them. Yeah. 
So, so, I mean, if, I mean, so there's pros and cons to either approach and I'm not sure which one is actually happening, but it, but at least based on the transaction log, there's, there's a lot of going on. I mean, all of the native or the Salesforce built components that are, that are, that make up lightning, those all, you know, add to the transaction history, at least going by the lightning inspector, Yep. you know, all what it documents, all the things that all the requests were made now, regardless whether that was one big request or each individual request, I don't know, but it's a long list. Uh, and then you add in the stuff that I'm doing or, you know, all my components that are also doing the same thing. So, I mean, I built, I built a, um, basically a, a single page app recently and I didn't, we basically ruled out lightning because for, for a couple of reasons, one, the way that you build lightning apps, um, with the, the builder and all this stuff, it just, you know, you get a certain type of UI. It's a, it's a certain framework. And this is like, this is what you get mm-hmm. that this is how the UI works in lightning. And well, in terms of layout, yeah, or? yeah, the layout and, and just the the collapse, the collapsing and the the way things flow on the screen, it's kind of like you know, there's a, just got a couple options, but this is kind of how you this is how you drag components or you get components onto the screen. This is this is the way they're gonna they're gonna render out. Mm-hmm. It's kind of is what it is. Yeah. And what we needed, I mean, this was this is one of these UI. It's basically a a purpose built like. Uh, highly optimized fast UI for doing certain tasks, repetitive tasks, and tasks that have things have to go in a certain order and what and everything. And it, the, the Lightning that whole system didn't make sense. Plus the fact that, and again, I don't know that much about Lightning, but it just everyone seems to say it's slow. And and that was one of the requirements of this thing is it's got to be fast. So I've I, I've been able to, um, I built it on Angular Angular too, but I've been able to, I mean, really optimize it. I mean, like the things I was doing, I was just talking about, you know, grouping. Basically, designing the API to to be for the use cases of this app. I mean, it's yeah. just it's just so fast, and I'm and I'm thankful that Salesforce is. Um, you know, I complain about how slow it is to develop Apex and to get it compiled and deployed and everything. But once it's running, it's particularly once it's once it's warmed up. You know, it's in memory and everything. I mean, it's reasonably fast. I mean, right. you, you, these REST calls it's doing are um, they're fast, and so this this UI. Flies. It loads fast. It loads in about a second, I think, and that's that's including all the Angular crap that's got to be done mm-hmm. just to get it, you know, the app bootstrapped and everything. But I mean, once it's loaded, it is just smoking fast, which has been great because that's exactly what this client wanted, right? And I, I would not have been able to do that in Lightning. Yeah, I mean, well, it's it's kind of the same like concept. It's got a lot like, of back. It's, 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 a lot si- of- it's similar to the same concept. It's just that 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 bootstrapping of the page itself, you know, that that load of the page is what's the really slow part. Well, Once you're there, it's fine. You can click things, you can navigate things. That part is fast. It's just getting it there that's the slowest part. Well, and that doesn't give me that much heartburn. I mean, a, a, a one time, it's a startup time, right? I mean, oh, that's not that big of a deal. What, what, what did I count? Seven seconds, I think? I was look, looking over your shoulder earlier from the time you went to the page until, you know, we watched the snowman for about three or four seconds and then there was a bunch of other stuff that happened after that. But until the, when the page was ready for you to start interacting with it was seven seconds. But that was right. that's a one time, that's one time. I mean, right? Theoretically, well, it's, not, it's, it's not. not. Well, it, it is for loading that page, but then you think about navigating the system, and you go from an account to a contact, and then you get the snowman again. You wait, you get the snowman again? Yes. What? I thought that was just when the app was loading. No. Oh wow! Really? Yeah. When you when you well, but so, doesn't it cache? Okay, because I know well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, say. yeah. So you if, go to a new tab, a right. new tab, right? And it's gonna it's gonna say it's gonna probably gonna pull down like contact page layouts. Let's like, yep. say so you could click on contact. The page layouts, security fields, and all kinds yep. of stuff. 
But once those are loaded, and then you go back to accounts, right? You do some accounts, you go back to contacts. It's not having to do that again, right? Right. Okay. Well, that's that's good. I mean, then you you can get the you know the problem with that is that eventually you're gonna you could run into memory problems. I don't know what they're doing there. Uh, well, you can actually see in the log how much how much is being taken up, what storage yeah. is being taken up, and for what components or page or whatever. Now, what what, what sucks about all this caching, um, which is to create the illusion of speed. Which I, I, I'm not a fan of it. Mm-hmm. I'm not a fan of this. This you know, warming it up the first time you load it, and then it, it's just it. Well, wait a minute. You go to the contact tab. It's got to pull down page layouts and stuff. Why would you not want it to keep those? Not when I'm developing. I don't know what you mean by that. Okay, so so one of my issues I had with iterating through these components and trying to learn lessons and add things to the screen is when I saved and and pu- and pushed my updates to the to the, uh, of the component or even even my helper and, and controller classes. They didn't show up. I had to refresh my screen at least three times before it would actually pull down the latest update of that component. The, the first two refreshes I got didn't to do the it. Point, I got to the point where I had... You have to hold shift F5, John. It's shift F5. That's No, that's, I tried I tried hard <laughs> cache reload or dump cache reload and it still didn't. Uh, wow. Um, so anyways, um, I got to the point where I actually had a div in there with a, with a hard-coded style that I would change after every save yeah. to change the color so right. that I know whether yep. or not it was oh, whether God. I was looking at the real version. I couldn't even see the version number of my component in in I'm sure it might have been somewhere in there but it was buried buried so deep it was it was not worth it for me to go and try and find it. It was easier for me to dump a div on the screen with a little box with a color in it that I chose every time. So every time change I the color. right before I save <laughs> I have to remember to go save and sometimes I'd forget and I'd be like crap. Now I got to go change the color and save it again and refresh probably four times this time to see which one's going to pick up. I, I hope you're just doing something wrong because that really sounds horrible. Really, if there if someone can tell me if if there's some kind of mode or something I need to be in so that I can iterate on these components and it would re- it's not going to cache it, please, because yeah. that cost me so much time and effort. Because I would fix a bug and that bug would keep showing up and I think I didn't fix it, so I'd go make more changes and then it turns out I did fix it. It just it, it was all cached. And and it was still it's still cached with that old error, and, and it was just painful. It was really painful to just to try to iterate and and build something, you know, debug it and figure out what's going on. That part was really painful. Mm. Um, well, the um, the lightning inspector for the action list, the filter mechanism is broken. So if if you have a list of things, and you're the way it's supposed to work is you go into filter and you type in and it it finds it in that list and compresses everything so you can see it. Don't do that right now. If you do that, all your actions are gone. It, oh. the, it destroys the list. So the only thing you can do is pre-type what you want your filter to be, then run your screen or reload your screen so that all the actions happen. And then and then it'll only show up that one. But as soon as you type in that filter box, it, it destroys it. Now, some of the other tabs have the same mechanism of filter and it doesn't break, but that one does. And that was painful. I wonder, do you have any idea how often Salesforce is pushing like new builds of this lightning stuff out to fix things like that? I don't know. I'm sure they have patch releases just about every other weekend, but okay. I mean, that's typical Salesforce. They'll, they have these maintenance releases. Right. Well, not even, well, not even that they have like small patches. They'll just, uh, right. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I thought they had a week, kind of a weekly thing. And then I think there's also the option if something's a real emergency to, to kind of hot fix something. Yeah. Um, some, some, I feel like I'm jumping around everywhere, but um, it's just as I went through this, I found little things, or as I added something, like I wanted, I I built my component. I was like, you know what? I want them to specify. I want to be. I want them to be able to specify how many records show up. What's the query limit? 
Um, so I added added a new design component, which is just a just an empty markup tag, and you give it some attributes. And those attributes, <laughs> that's the funny part, the attributes have to map. I didn't see anywhere in the documentation that said this. I had no idea. I was just flying blind at this point. Your your attribute name on your detail has to map to a, an attribute of the same name on your controller because I guess it maps it. Mm. Um, however, I was in an IDE. I was in IntelliJ. And I saved everything and, and didn't think anything of it. And it all seemed to work. So I, I started to wonder, um, I wonder if I have to even do that. Maybe I can just have a design attribute and that'll just inherit into my component. Well, no, that's not true. If you do it in the developer console, you actually get a warning when you try to save an attribute in a design component that it doesn't exist in your component. So I don't know what the difference is because when I saved it through the IDE, I guess it pushed it up and it didn't, didn't warn, it didn't error. I said, okay, we got it. Hmm. But you do it in the developer console, the developer console says, oh, we didn't find this. You, you, it's not going to work. You think that's maybe something you would have learned uh, had you taken the trailhead? Maybe. <laughs> Someone, someone, please give me feedback. When you're listening to this, make, make some notes and, and get on our Slack yeah. channel and, and throw me feedback and, and tell me what I did wrong because these are things that I learned the hard way going through this and just, just having this experience. Um, so, so it was little things like that where I think the developer council gives you more information back than some of these IDEs. I don't know if it's because there's, there's differences there in, in how to process some kind of error message or warning. I don't know. Um, uh see error messaging error handling was kind of tough it was tough to deal with um, you didn't always get the information you needed sometimes you would get some kind of generic some error happened and you have to kind of dig you have to make sure you have logging enabled on the developer console and go and dig to find what the issue is one of them that really kicked my butt and i i don't i this has got to be a, a deep-seated bug because all their documentation says you can do it this way xyz but it does. It you can't do it that way, um, and this was this goes back to my query limit when I said I wanted to give them a query limit. Well, that's an integer value. So in JavaScript, you just map a value. You don't put strings around. You don't put quotes around it. It's a it's an integer. Okay. Um, and I had I had a default value, and then I had um, I had something setting the value directly, so it was actually an integer. Um, but for some reason, my code was failing. It wasn't working. And then I found in the after a while I found it in the debug log that was saying something about couldn't cast the integer, and it didn't make sense. And I went through all these iterations thinking that I was having a casting issue between my JavaScript and my controller and all this kind of stuff, not thinking anything. And then for for I want to say shoots and giggles, yeah. <laughs> I, I decided to turn my what used to be a a hard coded just number variable that I was assigning and make a string. And just put quotes around it. Yeah. Just to see if I would get a data type error somewhere. I was like, mm. well, maybe I'll force a data type error and see what happens. It worked. Mm. And I was like, what the hell? And then I did it accidentally later on when I was when I was building the second half of this, which is the full full view of everything, which yeah. has a which has a hard-coded high, higher limit. Because I'm not letting you set that. It's just everything it can within reason, which is 500. I did it again there and it aired on me. And of course, I remember that experience. I went, oh, oh. I need to make that a string, not a not an integer. Weird. But the data type on the controller is an integer, and I, I just I don't get it. Even their examples in the documentation shows setting an integer value there. You know, JavaScript, it's uh, fast, it plays fast and loose with types. It does. Um, so I don't know. 
I could keep going. I have a lot of just little things that happened. You know, I felt like I was going everywhere. I was bouncing between the inspector. Um, I was bouncing between the the console. I would just, you know, dump a bunch of stuff to the console log just to see if it was at least running my stuff or what values it had. Um, just because at some point in time it would fail and I'd have nothing to go on. All right. When's the last time other than this that you've like learned a new um, like JavaScript framework? Uh, when I started doing Squid. Well, no, I mean, I've been learning Angular and trying to learn um, React and things, but in terms of like building something and actually doing stuff, it was it was Squid, you know, trying to learn. I'm just because I'm just wondering. I want to compare the ex- the experience of Lightning to something else, and I can't do that until I actually learn Lightning. <laughs> so. Well, it, I mean, you're you're having to learn this one particular framework, and you know, things like Angular and React and all those. There's a ton of information, on it, and there's a ton of examples, and there's a ton of boards on it. With Lightning, it's so proprietary and so new, information is kind of hard to come by. You know, you have you have people who built some things and they show John, some it's examples. Open, it's open source on uh, GitHub. It's not proprietary. <laughs> All right. You got me there. Yeah. But but the problem is if no one's interested in it, then there's no, there's going to be no additional information on the internet about it. Uh, so, so anyways, I had a hard time. I, I, I didn't hate the experience. I, I enjoyed the fact that what I built was first class on the page, meaning it wasn't an iframe. I didn't have to size my frame and my content to try to fit a certain way. If it needed a certain amount of space, it needed it took that space. If it needed less, it, it contracted and played nice with everything else. Um, once it was on the page and everything was working, it was nice. Everything worked and flowed, and, and I felt good about it. Now, were, just, you, were you making components, lightning components that were going on to just, you're dragging them onto screens or, or whatever? Right. Like, I built, I built a component for, that went into the, um, just the application builder or for, for an object, yeah. a record builder, mm-hmm. and then one for a community. Um, but the, the experience is really the same. It's just, you change the attributes to say where it's available. Yeah. Um, so, so overall, I mean, I think I enjoyed it. I did have to learn some lessons about context when it came to iterators and how to handle the events because I, I had like, with the a card is actually a pretty good example because you have global features like go to the view all list or create a new contact. Those are kind of global high level functions. And then you drill into each contact and each contact has its own context. It has its own, I can edit this contact or I can delete this contact or I can go to this specific record. Um, and so each one of those kind of had its own quirks of how you dealt with it, how you tracked the IDs because it really wasn't. Uh, I made really good use of data attributes, which uh, it's it's important to know that the the magic that happens with data attributes you can access them for your from the event object that you assigned it to. Mm-hmm. But the magic is you do data. I'm gonna I'm gonna say item ID, data dash item dash ID. Mm-hmm. Now, when you go to access that in your controllers or your helpers or whatever in in your in your code, it's you know event target data set. I think dot camel case item yeah upper score id yeah so it, there's no dashes don't don't try to do dashes or right. anything like that you just gotta you just gotta know this yeah i think the other frameworks have similar it's like some kind of norm they call it like attribute normalizing yeah, yeah. so it's just something to know i i messed up i think for some reason i i decided that wasn't right and i changed it and then broke some things and went back to it and i was like oh that well i guess that makes sense now. yeah um so it's just one of those things you got to know. And it's, it's, just, it's these things you got to learn when you're dealing with JavaScript and all this HTML stuff that, you know, if you haven't experienced in other frameworks, it's going to be a little tough. Yeah. 
But it sounds like Lightning is not the. I mean, it's it's uh, definitely a more modern uh, way to build apps. It's it's a newer way now. Whether that's overall good or bad is probably an argument pe- people could have. But <clears throat> it's definitely not. You know, this uh, you know, they make it look like it's you know this kind of little easy cookie cutter. You just drag and drop some things, and you you know you're an app builder. It sounds like that's very far from the truth. Well, I, if you're developing, once it's developed and built, and you you're able to drag and drop that stuff, then yeah. Because you know they they I remember they I don't know what event it was, but they and I think they re, kind of reused this demo. But it's it's like um some kind of real estate app, and it's got a it's got a, a mobile phone component as well that they and they made the whole thing look super easy. Like they just they drug a couple of components on, all of a sudden they have a mobile app, and they've got this awesome looking. You know, I'm like, yeah. I know there's a lot of code behind the scenes that had to be written, but they don't they don't talk oh, about that. Yeah, I know, I know what you're it's talking the whole, about. Yeah. It's the whole Wizard of Oz thing. Yeah, it's once, like, once the components are built, the, yeah, you can drag and drop those, and and you know they work really well. I, well, I mean, relatively. I mean, there's, there's, <laughs> it just seems like in in any any real application, there's always just a load of details that have to be that you just have to fuss with and get right. Yeah, and that's that's very. Now much the question so. is, is you know, is Lightning a well enough built framework that the the framework's helping you more than it's causing you a you know, pain in a pain in the butt. Um, well, it, it's it's a tough it's tough to say because we're dealing with JavaScript and JavaScript um, and JavaScript is tough. It is well JavaScript is tough because it's it's such a weird language. It is, but I mean I've worked with it so long and you know I've did I mean I did action script. I'm doing TypeScript now and I'm and I'm just I don't know I feel like. I feel like I'm as much as weird as JavaScript is and as much of actually a terrible language I think it is, I'm very comfortable with it because I know it's quirks and I'm fast in it. Yeah. Now, if you're not coming from that perspective and you're going to be a Lightning developer and you, you haven't been through all these experiences of the JavaScript, then yeah, you're going you're gonna to hit. There's a lot of bumps in the road that you haven't hit yet and you don't even know about. Yeah, it's going to be tough. And the linter, the linter can go a long way in helping you. Um, in fact, there, you know, I want to get into some of these audio clips that I have. Um, and th- these are just... These are more, more JavaScript than, well, they're, not, they're nothing about Lightning. They're just JavaScript stuff that you're just going to have to learn or, or just things that were, you know. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do some clips because we're, we're at 50 minutes. Oh. Uh, what's my first clip? Well, I don't know. I have two. I don't know which one's first. There's the JS global variable and JS plus plus. Yeah, let's go to global variable. So I pulled this one because, um, so Douglas Crockford, so, so for people who don't know, is, is really big in JavaScript world. He um, He's part of the X. I always say ES because I hate say ECMAScript. ECMAScript. ECMAScript group. Um, group. And this was a, this was from a talk, a presentation he did at I think UE, some kind of conference they had. UE World. I don't know what it's called. Okay. Is it UE World? I don't know. Is the Yahoo? It's the Yahoo yeah. UI. Uh-huh. You know when they were really big in the JavaScript world. Um, and it was about it was in 2010, so about six years ago. Mm. Uh, ES4 just ES4 was scrapped, and they were working on. Five, or they just released, or were about to release five. Also, Douglas Crock- Crockford. Speaking of him, he he was the author of the uh, JavaScript, JavaScript the Good Parts. Oh, well, yeah, the, the, the book. and the book yeah. JavaScript the Good Parts. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. He he created the linter that you know everyone used for years. Um, since then, though, that uh, I think there's some others that have gotten more popular and they're more configurable. His wasn't as configurable because he was just like he was so opinionated. He's like, no, that's not an option. I'm not, I'm not going to make that an option. Well, that's funny because it, actually in this in this conversation, he talks about his linter and he he says, well, you can just go in and change it because he 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 configured the linter for him. Yeah. And the way he he wanted things. Um. And in fact, this linter, the the lightning linter, um, I think probably follows more closely to his linter than others because I got some 
warnings back that I had never experienced before that I just, I must've like skipped past some of these parts in the book or just glossed over them. But there were some things that I just like, well, do you remember any examples? Yeah. In fact, it's the second clip on the plus plus part. All right, well, let's start with this. Start with this one. Okay. So um, I'm on the, the TC39, which is the committee of ECMA, which is responsible for the maintenance of this language. And we're all very aware of the problems of all the bad parts and the awful parts, but we're pretty much Talking powerless to fix yeah. it. It's because those, those bad parts are dangerous, but they're not useless. And in fact, there are a lot of clever people out there who have found uses for every bad thing that we would like to remove. And the web is this weirdly fragile thing where um, a program does not get to choose where it runs. It has to run everywhere. So once a mistake gets into the standard, it's going to be there for a long, 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 long time. So we're very much constrained in our ability to take things out. Uh, but you're not. I mean, you have the power to decide what this language is going to be. And you can select for yourself uh, how you're going to subset it. Um, and so you've got a power that we don't have, uh, which benefits you tremendously. The, the worst feature by far in the language is the global object. Um, it is the container for all global variables and built-in objects. And on uh, browsers, it's the global object. It's the window, window object. And the conflating of window and global is another of the sources of the cross-site scripting problem. So we can fix JavaScript. Uh, hopefully in some future edition, we can manage the global object and, and make it better. But we also have to fix the DOM, because if we don't do something about window, we haven't accomplished anything. Yeah, and so the, the, the reason I wanted to bring that up is because going back to the locker service, I mean, they, they basically take that away from you. They take the global object away from you. Well, again, I don't know anything about locker service, but that's, that's, a, that's a good practice. I mean, I think in all the JavaScript apps I've been writing for a while, I mean, they're, I mean, I think I set up linters in a way that if I if I do use global or window somewhere, uh, it it's it stops. It's an it's a compilation error. It's not going to let it go through. Because you know you want your um, you don't want your JavaScript modules to to depend on anything existing in the global namespace. You want its dependencies. It's 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 dependency injection. You want any modules that your module requires to be passed in to it. So whatever the thing is. In this case, it's just a JavaScript module loader, but that's booting your app, that's bootstrapping application, that's figuring out which modules need to be loaded, what their dependencies are, what the order is, and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. it, that's that's actually a very hard problem to solve, but it's a solved problem by really smart people. Like you shouldn't have to when you as as just an application developer, you shouldn't have to worry about that. You right. just write a module and say what your module needs, and it will be supplied, and it will be created at the right time in the right order, and be supplied with what it you know its its dependencies. Right. So yeah, if you're if you're um, even if you need you know like, think about jQuery works. Right? It puts the it puts the word jQuery and also the dollar in, in the global in the global scope. Right. And in you know in kind of modern JavaScript, what you do is you just say, oh well, I need jQuery, and so instead of using the one in the global, it gets passed into your module. Right. So that's good. It's good stuff. Um, so, so the next part, this one, this one, this one actually is um, this is about the the increment, increment decrement operators, the plus plus, okay, which I use a lot, and another, I never. Another, well, go ahead. What were you gonna say? I was just gonna say I never really gave them a second thought in terms of you know the goods and bads. I understand how you can use them incorrectly, and you know plus plus before and plus plus after has you know different meanings and different magic behind it. Um, in later in this conversation, which I didn't clip, he actually even 
talks about how that's that's actually the cause of a lot of these um, uh, attacks on Microsoft with um, uh, how they get the buffer overruns. They exploit the plus plus mm. in, in many cases. In other thing, they're they're not thread safe. That operation's not thread safe. Right. With in JavaScript, it's not a problem. But example is the plus plus operator. The other thing about <laughs> just before he starts with the problem with you know like basically it's in your it's typically that's an in, integer increment mm-hmm. or decrement right. and javascript doesn't have integers right so that's i mean <laughs> like what kind of operation is this and this is this gets then this gets into javascript is supposed to be an easy language but it turns out there's so many broken parts of it that it's got all these pitfalls for people who aren't javascript masters right yeah like it, it violates the principle of least surprise uh, all over the place, all yeah. over the place. I mean, I am nowhere near quality. The, the, qual- the, the equality time. operators and the, and the weird coercing that it'll do for you. It's like, yeah. I know that it's part of it is they, it just tries to it tries to do the right thing and be easy, but it actually it's the worst thing it could do. It should just, yeah, it shouldn't try to be that that, you know, that friendly to you because it just screws everything. It's like a, it, when you come to a, a four way stop sign mm-hmm. and you get there, like say you get there um, a little bit after someone else. But they go ahead and wait for you to go anyway because they're being, no, I'm like, don't do that. Don't wait for me to go. You got there first. Let's follow the rules so that it's not confusing. Right. We don't want to increase the amount of communication that's required between drivers. We want to just follow the rules and not rely on so much manual communication. Right. Anyway, I don't know. I'm not sure if that makes sense or not. It made sense. <laughs> the auto increment and also the auto decrement operator. Um, this one is much more controversial, but um, if you look at... Um, uh, the problems in operating systems and trying to write secure systems uh, for years, it may be still going on to some extent, although not as much as it used to, uh, Microsoft was plagued by buffer overrun errors. And it was really easy to, to compromise uh, Windows uh, by just working the code and, and causing an array to go out of bounds and that would allow you to write stuff into arbitrary memory, and you can include programs there and then jump to them and then you get to run. So it turned out a lot of that was due to coding practices based on optimizing use of plus plus. Uh, plus plus allows you to do a lot of things at once, and so you can have one statement that's actually doing the work of several statements. And there's a satisfaction that programmers get from going, yeah, look at that, it's, it's twisted. And, um, that turns out to be a really bad practice. Um, and I found in my own case, it was a hard one to break. Um, particularly, uh, given my background, I did a lot of assembly language in my youth, and, and I still have those attitudes that when I'm writing, I want to make stuff go as fast as possible. And plus plus is really an assembly language feature. It's not really a high-level language feature. It's an assembly language feature that found its way up into the higher level. Um, and I now think it's counterproductive. Um, and I, I tried to wean myself off of it. Um, so I, I'm not gonna try to write up those one-liners anymore. And I just couldn't resist. You know, once I go plus, plus, and then it's comma, blah, 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 blah and I'm doing it again. Um, so for my own discipline, I say, no, I don't trust myself to use that operator ever for any reason. And so I put a, an option into JSLint just for me because I don't trust myself to use plus, plus. And people write to me all the time complaining, why are you saying that? And it's like, well, why do I care? You know, you can turn it off. You know, it, I, I put that on there for me. But they still want to argue about it. And, and they're saying, because 
you know, you, you say write x plus equal one, you know, when I could write x plus plus, which is so much better, it's, it's one character shorter, why can't you see the advantage of that? And go, well, wait a minute, first off, you're confused, because it's actually equivalent to plus plus x. Uh, so, you know, one of the dilemmas about that is it's really easy to, to swap the, the pre and post thing that it does and get it wrong. And I find most of the people who, come, who are defending that practice do get that wrong. Yeah. <clears throat> he didn't actually describe what's wrong with it. With? Plus plus. Other than that you might use the wrong one. What the hell's wrong with it? There might be more conversation that I didn't clip, but I mean, that was, that was the main brunt of the point that I was trying to get to was just the, because it's actually on in this linter. In the lightning linter, it's on to avoid. It's a, it's a warning. Um, JavaScript, let's see, deck, you know, post decrement, increment. Bad? What it says. Why avoid? Why avoid? Let's see. Research on the fly. Yeah, I mean, it just says anything that can, I'll be honest, can be confusing to programmers and not worth it. Uh, for loops, and it, for loops are an exception. Anyway, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I used them in, in for loops. and the, That was a long clip for him not to explain what's wrong with them, though. <laughs> well, the, the, in the history of it, they're wrong. But I, I think more than anything, it's just, it's about being clear for me. It, it's about simplicity. It's about not getting confused. It's about, it, it, because there's no strong data typing in, in, um, in JavaScript, who knows what, what I is when you go I++. Right. Yeah. That's a whole separate problem, though. The whole, just the support for numbers in JavaScript is yeah. horrible. But. Um, so it was, it was well, on in the linter. It reminded me uh, of this, and I went back and, and did some things and found it. In fact, that, one, that article you found is the one I found, um, and that's where the, the reference to the video came from. Um, so I, I don't know. I guess because it's on the linter, I'll leave it on and I'll just start using plus. Yeah, that's equals, good. I mean, I don't. One. I stopped using plus plus a long time ago. Well, I don't think it's as readable one for one. I only use it in for loops, though. I tr well, no, that's not true. I'll, I'll use them in while loops too. It's I'll, it's like the end of my yeah. loop, and I'll index something. No, I do. I use them in for loops, but I think that's it because just on like a statement on its own line, you know, like you know x plus plus or something. It's just it's not as readable to me. It doesn't say what it does as much as just writing it out. And also people can get it wrong. But the other thing is is, is the thread safety of it. Now, I, I don't write much multi-threaded code anymore, but it's just, you know, everybody who does write multi-threaded, I mean, that's the lesson you learn is you think it, it, looks like, it looks like an atomic operation, but it's not because it's actually like three operations. Right. And you can switch threads in, right in, in the middle of that and end yeah. up with, um, you know, some kind of race condition. So, so tying a bow on this, I mean, you know, that, that was my experience with Lightning. I, th I actually think that... You're not done, right? So we're, we'll get some updates from you, hopefully. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, no, I'm still working. I'm still building. Um, some, some, there's a few things I want to say right before we, we switch topics, but that, that is, you know, the experience wasn't too horrible. It was very tedious. I, I wanted to pull my hair out a few times and scream uh, just because there were just things that just weren't working, working the way I expected them to. And I think once I learn how to deal with these quirks and, you know some of these bugs that I feel are actually true bugs, which are those two that I mentioned, um, get fixed, you know, it's not going to be too bad. Now, now some of the, so here's what I want tips from the community on. Am I doing something wrong? Is there some kind of mode I can be in where I don't have to refresh my page three or four times to get it to, to uncache my component and put in the new one? Cause that was killing me productivity wise. Yeah. That was, that was a big issue. Yep. 
Um, two, I'm, I'm gonna I, I'm gonna try to find the time to log a bug or see if anyone else has logged a bug on the inspector and the issue with the action filter, because that list is huge and it's too big to kind of just scroll through. Um, in fact, the UI isn't even a table UI; it's a it's a HTML layout type thing, and <laughs> you can't highlight anything. So it it shows you you know what the parameters you passed, which is nice, and it shows you what the response that came back, which is nice. But if you want to like grab the ID that you sent or that it responded with and, and do something with that, you can't highlight it and copy that text. Um, so that kind of pissed me off. Yeah. Um, but the, the, I think those things can be addressed. Those things, those things can be fixed. Um, and then the other thing is I'm working in JavaScript. I'm happy. I'm doing JavaScript stuff. I mean, I'm, I'm treating Apex as a, you know, as a, my server, my um, web service stack and and now I'm building stuff in JavaScript and I'm happy about that and I get to learn and, and continue to grow my, my experience with JavaScript so I, I think that's a big plus about it is JavaScript that much better than Apex especially if you're having to wait for these slow refreshes and stuff well it's certainly more portable and marketable I'm a JavaScript well, that's developer true. that's true yeah. <laughs> well through the magic through the magic of podcast recording I'm about to play a clip that ties into what you're talking about with these refreshing and just the time it takes and everything Okay, so this guy is talking about um, uh, just basically developer tooling that that he's built um, and the speeds and stuff. So let me just play this. We discovered really early on is when you are coding in this environment and you're getting this quick feedback, if you can see your app and your changes take place in under about a second and a half, then it feels really great. Uh, but if it takes like two seconds... It feels terrible, and you're like, I'm just going to go back to my local machine. Hmm. So interesting. A second and a half, Max, and he is a guy. I believe he works for Fog Creek, um, and they have. We talked about this before. I brought it up, but I don't think either of us ever went and did anything with it. Hyperdev is that what it's called? Do you remember that? I don't. It's a combination back end, so they run the back end for you. And front end, it's and it's like you can start up a, like a node based app or all these different things, and it's just super fast and it's like completely. I mean, you, it's not completely controlled by them, but they give you this just front end and back end, and it's. Uh, they say I think it's named Hyperdev and kind of a, as a little bit of an homage to HyperCard, which is an old Apple thing. Mm. But anyway, as a part of that, they just they make sure that when you make changes, you see those changes in less than one and a half seconds. Yeah, I, I can see that being really important. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, it, again, again it, it's not so much the time it took for it to actually bring back my component and cache it. It was just I didn't know where I was, it, what, it, what, what version I was in. Because, well, that's even a bigger problem. I mean, because like I said, having to wait is one thing, but not knowing at once you're done waiting right. and you're and you're not sure on you're not even sure whether or not. I mean, I've, I've had that happen before where. I keep changing code thinking, gosh, I still haven't fixed this problem yet. And I can change some code and reload, change some code, reload. And it turns out it would work the first time. It's just nothing. I wasn't getting a reload. Right. <laughs> and that's exactly what happened. It's, it, it, it was frustrating Yeah. To, to know that that happened. All right. Um, can we get into this Benioff conference? Yeah, let's go for it. Yeah, so he, he, so he was interviewed by Kara Swisher, who he loves. You know, I've noticed there's, there's like three people he likes getting interviewed by, and he kind of sticks to them. It's Kara Swisher, um, Kramer, Kramer and sometimes Adam Lashinsky, he's done a couple of things with him. You know, Forbes, he likes Forbes because yeah. Forbes takes care of him. So he, he likes them. Anyway, it was, uh, yeah, Recode Enterprise or Code Enterprise, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some substantive stuff here, but a lot of it's just kind of funny. 
So let me see if I can find this. All right, here we go. Interviewed him a lot of times, um, and he always is a terrific uh, interview. Uh, I think the last time I interviewed him, we keep being, I keep interviewing him at gay events because he keeps getting every, he sweeps all the gay awards because he's friendly to the gays. Um, and so the last time I interviewed him, it was in front of, um, we need friends right now. Um, I interviewed him in front of, I asked him to come to this uh, thing called um, Lesbians in Tech. And it's an enormous gathering of a thousand screaming lesbian engineers um, in the Castro Theater. And I said, Mark, I want you to speak in front of a, a thousand screaming lesbian engineers. And he said, you don't have to ask me twice. Um, so, um, <laughs> he, well, he, he likes him some lesbians. <laughs> you don't have to ask me twice. <laughs> But for, what I like this friendly to the gays. That's got to be our title. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Context. The, the certain certain titles need context. Some fun, some titles are really fun without context, but but some some are, are not worth. So you're you're not going to get this because you don't watch Game of Thrones. But I, I keep I always think of these things like friendly to the gays. It was a reminds me of this. So there's in in this mythical world. They kind of have like these kingdoms and these these important people have like all these crazy titles. So there's this the one main character, her name is Daenerys Stormborn. But her this is her full name. Daenerys Stormborn of the House Targaryen, first of her name, the Unburnt, Queen of the Andals and the First Men, Khaleesi of the Great Grass Sea, Breaker of Chains, and Mother of Dragons. Wow. So I think we need to give Benioff his full recognition and respect he deserves. I'm so afraid of what you're gonna say now. Well, I don't I'm just I want examples. I mean, I want I want some ideas. Um, so here's, here's, I'll take a shot. I'll take a first shot at it. Uh, Mark Benioff, first of his name, King of San Francisco, maker of games, pioneer of cloud, promoter of women and protector of gays. How's that? That's not bad. (laughs) (laughs) We need to, we need to keep a running list. I mean, I think we need to, I think he deserves some more. I just, I don't know. I think you need to toss in some phenomenals and amazings in there, here and there. Oh, um, yeah. uh, Oh, well that, that would be like. Um, what are the what are those types of words called? Superlatives. Yeah, yeah. Ab- abuser of superlatives. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a possible title. Anyway. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see what else do I have. Hopefully these other ones are louder. That was quiet. There we go. Oh, so I got to set this up. This was, bef- this was, okay, so it was, a- this actually follows right up on that last clip. So Mark's walking out on the stage mm-hmm. and there's, the- there's, they're going to sit in these two like really high raised up stools. And of course, Benioff is like a giant. So he has no problem. He just like plops down in it. But she, you know, Kara's a not tall woman and she's like, having a hard time getting up in the show. She, she turns it towards the stool and like starts climbing up and he puts his <laughs> hands out like he's going to like, Lift her up into the into the chair and even says something about it. But but listen carefully to what he says here. Okay, so <laughs> again to set this up, he's he, she's facing away from him because she's facing into her stool, climbing up on it. Okay, and then when she gets in, she's then going to turn around and sit in it, right? right? So he's behind her and he's, he literally sticks his hands out like around her waist, like he's she, gonna, she like in a skirt or something like where she's no trying pants. To, oh, okay, just, she's just short and okay. that stool was huge. Thank you, Kara. Doing. Let's climb up into our great. giant. You need me to give you a hand on to I, get up there? I don't know how I'm going to get up here. Put you, I'm going to just put you go. up there. Okay. Nice. Sorry. Okay, do you hear him? Nice. He's okay. He said when he's okay, remember, she's facing away from him, crawling up the stool, and he's looking down, basically right at her butt. <laughs> and he's got his hands there. And did you hear what he says? 
I'm going to just... There Put you go. up there. Nice. <laughs> Sorry. Nice. <laughs> I feel like I need to see that video because my you, mind's you going, ha- no, you have my to mind's see going it. crazy. I just see, I just see big guys going nice. You do have to see it, but I, I do have something new for the soundboard now. Nice, nice. <laughs> that was a nice view, but I've lost some weight. Oh, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, she did. I know. <laughs> she just she's playing right along with it. Um, I usually have red chairs, but I was whoa. Oh, my that. This is to wow. screw with me. You you had to have these chairs. Why? When you, you have a tall view? person, you have to have tall chairs. Why? It's a rule. It's in the dictionary. It says that. Really. I don't think he knows what a dictionary is for. So. That's not where you put rules. That's where words are defined. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, okay. you vote for? I, she, asked, she asked him, who did it cut off? But who did you vote for? I didn't vote for the winning candidate. Okay. Uh, um, but, you know, I... Th- he says, I didn't vote for the winning candidate. But he didn't say he voted for Hillary. He's being political. I mean, he's being he's being um, um, PC. I, I guess so. But he's already expressed his support for her before. That's why I mean, there's he, you know he didn't beat her on the bush about that before. Why is he not? Why will he not admit now that he voted for Hillary? Oh, because he's a he's maybe a CEO, no. CEO salesperson. He doesn't need to alienate anybody. I'm saying that's what that's what he does. He alienates people all the time. No, he, he, he <laughs> come he, on. His positions are they try to be common. I don't, I don't want to use the common sense, but they, they try to be, you know, somewhat reasonable yeah. positions to take. I will say he did. He actually did. a really cause they talked, they went, I didn't clip much, much of it, but he, they went into politics and the, and the election and everything. And he did a great job of like taking the high road and yeah. staying positive yeah. and, and talked about their strategy, you know, yeah. everything. It was it did a good job of that. All right. Now they talked a lot about Microsoft. And, um, it was, you know, the, the context is that there's a new Microsoft. Mm-hmm. And, um, what is that, I'm 100% a, less mean? What? what was well, that? I'm a very trusting person. Yeah. I'm open to that, you know, right. and so it's new players I that see. I know. So you know that. You, you know see, me pretty I, well. Yeah. So His I'm security like, right, team would to differ how so, trusting he is. You yeah. can't get near him. Anyway, yeah. hey, um, you know, one of the meetings that definitely impacted, I think, the relationship is that... Um, I got a phone call from Satya, but this new relationship, and um, uh, my new best friend, you know, right. and I'm um, trying to give John, I'm giving John uh, the benefit of... Satya, so he's setting this up to feel so sorry for him. He's got a new best so, friend. Well, he, he's, did he mispronounce, or have I always been mispronouncing his name? He says Satya, and I always say Satya. Well, I think if you say it fast, it's Satya. I don't know. I don't know. That's me. I think Satya. That's like just the American way to say it, I guess. Yeah. The doubt on this... And um, uh, the call was, hey, will you meet with uh, this executive uh, we have here, Scott Guthrie? He runs Azure. Mm-hmm. And um, I'd really like you to walk him. Azure, by Azure. the way. Yeah, Azure. I, I, still, Azure. I still hear people say that. I don't know why. So maybe he's just got his own. It's, it's San Francisco speak, maybe. I guess. <laughs> Through the details of your business, mm-hmm. because maybe we can get Salesforce to run on Azure, and that would be very exciting for you. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay. And, and it was clear also that, uh, you know, he was someone who was not in our business. He's running Azure. And so I had. Notes that he says that it's clear that they were someone who's not in our business, meaning what he means there is, you know, we don't really compete with them so we can partner with them. Right. I don't know where he got that idea. Anyway. This meeting with him, and then a couple weeks later, uh, I read in the newspaper, or uh, probably on Recode, mm-hmm. that uh, Scott was now running the CRM business. Oh. And so I was like... That I, sounds like any one of Google's meetings, but go ahead. Go ahead. Well, <laughs> and I was, I was all, just very kind of surprised by run, that. He didn't run right. CRM. So he didn't give you was, that information? 
I just kind of came to the conclusion at that point that the new Microsoft was actually the old Microsoft. Uh -huh. okay. And um, that's just how it goes. And yeah. so it's not something that I would do, uh -huh. you know, but it's, it's a different way of looking at, at uh, things. So, right. And, so and then things maybe. like that kept happening. And, um, and Bomber kept jumping out of closets. What? No. Well, like ah! we're a, we're a, we were a partner. Support yeah. work partner. All right. And then we got a call that we were you know all signed up to go to this partner conference. Mm -hmm. And then you know oh you're not allowed to go to the partner conference. What? They yeah. disinvited you. They Mark? disinvited us. Yeah. And just a lot of little things like this started stacking up. And then I think when we kind of put it all together, I'm like, I just don't feel like this is exactly the new Microsoft that we were looking for. Okay, so no purchase so... now. Then you fast forward. <laughs> no purchase. So now. doesn't Scott, doesn't he run basically the entire internet services thing, which includes enterprise software, but it's not like, he makes it sound like they, they tricked him. Well, that, and now he's complaining they're not a good partner. I mean... I think he's still he, mad had, about losing LinkedIn to him. Well, and well, I mean... I feel like that's a little bit of the pot calling the kettle black. How so? Have you heard of ServiceMax and Salesforce Lightning Field Service? Wasn't there some news about ServiceMax? Yeah, they just got bought. Almost a billion dollars. Who bought them? A GE Digital. Interesting. Yeah. I looked up, they had raised, from what I could find, um, a little over $200 million in VC. I thought it would be more than that. But they turned that into a billion. I, don't, I guess that's a pretty good exit. I would think so. Yeah, I mean, I would too. I mean, how many rounds did they go? How much stock? Did I don't they know how many rounds it was. I guess but, that, it all yeah. it all factors in, but right. But uh, yeah, and I, we know someone actually who is a. Oh yeah, person there. But I, I texted him and I said, um, "Hey, heard about the news?" I said, "I hope it's I hope it's this is good for you." And he said, "Yeah, it is good for me." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I just I don't know. I find that the whole thing kind of interesting. Complaining about oh, and I I, I took the liberty also. I, I love doing the fa this if I can find them um, of comments. I, I'm going to save those actually. I'm going to save those. <laughs> That's the, uh, the the you know the internet comments on Mark complaining about you know, Microsoft not being oh. a good partner or whatever. But anyway, let me, let me move on. You were willing to pay that for to acquire that. Well, asset. I thought that was a great deal for our shareholders, uh -huh. and um, but I didn't uh, have that opportunity to. Uh, so now you're now them. you're opposing it. Can you explain that for? Well, yeah, you know what happened was that executive I met before, Scott Guthrie, right. he um, uh, ended up uh, part of this, uh -huh. and um, he and you know it's not something that we had even really thought about, but all of a sudden. Uh, he was at a Deutsche Bank conference, mm -hmm. and he started talking about how he was going to use LinkedIn. And what mm -hmm. he said was he was going to wind the LinkedIn data with their CRM data, with their productivity data, with all the other data streams that Microsoft has, especially proprietary data streams, to create what he said at Deutsche Bank, which was essentially a barrier to entry for other he didn't say um, that. In product business productivity, where they have a monopoly, mm -hmm. or in other markets. Mm -hmm. And I was uh, surprised about so this that. This is with Office and other, to work Yeah, with and I was surprised at that, and that's kind of their vision. You can read the transcript, it's all very clear. So he was surprised that Microsoft would buy LinkedIn and take that as an asset, and the data, and the IP, and everything else, and combine it with other things that Microsoft 
to, cr- to create a synergistic solution that's a valuable thing. That's what he said? That's what, that's what I'm hearing. I mean... <laughs> well, no, he, he, he says that it's in the transcript from that that, that he said that... We, were, we read this. that transcript. We looked that... I looked that transcript up about a month ago when, when Mark first accused him of that. And it was not... That's not what he said. That's why, I'm bu- that's why I just buzzed him. Because he's... And he's saying something that's not true. He's trying to set up this straw man. Well, okay, you would have won that straw man, except that that's not what he said. And and again, there's nothing there's nothing illegal about that. That's not, that's that doesn't mean they're a monopoly. That's why the FTC didn't even have to didn't even have to look into this. I mean, they, they're just clearly Microsoft and LinkedIn aren't even in the same business. So how could they be? You know, why would the people who regulate monopolies take a look at this and stop it? Mm-hmm. And uh, he makes it he makes it inordinately clear, and uh, so uh, you know that was he's basically saying he's complaining, saying Scott said he's going to do mean things. <laughs> said whoa, you know that sounds like that's illegal, actually. actually. Right? Like why is Scott? Why would Scott Guthrie want to yeah. go and do that? Right? Yeah. And then so, uh, Satya, we have the new Microsoft here with yeah. Satya. I don't they have understand. been down that road before. Yeah. Well, yeah, there's, this is, well, you have to think, you know, look, let's give them the benefit of the doubt, as long as we're giving everyone the benefit of the doubt. I feel, they, we, I feel we shouldn't give anybody the benefit they of the doubt. Are the, they were the middle managers right. for the last two decades in this organization, mm-hmm. and now they've kind of moved up. Mm-hmm. And so this is how they've been, you know, trained in, in business. But I think that uh, specifically to this was, it, was that some kind of way to insult them? Oh, they were just middle managers. and I, I think so. <laughs> I, I took it as that. That um, not just us, but, you know, I think uh, dozens of other software companies have seen that transcript so now. And what do you also imagine said, happening at this point? You're not going to stop this thing, or are you? Well, I don't know what's going to happen, but what I certainly do hope, because, you know, the FTC uh, didn't look at this, but the European yes. um, regulators are looking yeah. at this. Yeah, I talked to Marguerite Vestager about it. Okay, oh, okay. well, there you go. I mean, she is Name the dropping. who is... Yeah really looking at this, and yeah. she needs to make a decision um, on uh, what does this mean for the ability for companies... It's already looked at the, the European Commission. What they, they, they're already looking at this, and that basically there's, there's not even a case. There's no case there that they're a monopoly. There's, there's one thing they're looking at, which is they are starting to look at how companies use data. Mm-hmm. But I, don't, I still don't, I just don't see how you can make a case. It's, just, that's, it's a very much a stretch. I feel like I feel like Ben should just not bring this up. Just move on, like move on, dude. Right? Because it does. It's not. It doesn't make him. It doesn't make them look good. It really. I mean, and this is one of those things. This Microsoft LinkedIn thing and the Salesforce thing. There's still articles being written about that story behind that to this day. It's like, it's, and really, I, th- I mean, I think it's best for Salesforce that just get it out of everyone. Like, stop talking about it. Just let everyone forget about it because it's not. It's not a good story for Salesforce. Because the, it was a deal that would have been huge for them, and instead it's it's huge for it's huge for Microsoft. So just right. let it go. Like, stop talking to journalists about that. <laughs> We're really talking about signals, and that is that you know as we kind of move into this new world, some of the signals in LinkedIn is you know, you're in your LinkedIn profile, and you're like, oh yeah, I am not at Recode anymore. I'm at Vox, <laughs> and I make that change, and I change my phone number, and all that. And those signals change, or the relationship strengths change, um, and that's information that metadata, mm-hmm. you know, that those magic sure. words. Again. That's not metadata. That's data. That is data. 
mm-hmm. who you work for, your changes in your job and everything. Why do people, why does he say this? He, the, he, the way he uses the word metadata, I, I don't think he knows what metadata is. When he calls Salesforce the most scalable metadata platform, I'm like, I don't think you know what metadata is. And you know what? I, I got I to gotta give him a little bit of an out here. I think it was, um, it was it the CIA that was getting all the, basically everyone's phone data. Mm-hmm. But they said, oh, well, we weren't listening to any calls. We were just looking at phone numbers that you called. Right when when you were calling people, who you were calling, we didn't listen to the calls, so we were only looking at metadata. No, that's data too. Right, who you called is data. Right, the the phone number that you called, if you're looking at that phone number, that's data. Now, the fact that there is a phone number and the fact that a phone number is ten digits and all that that that's metadata. That's right. data about the data. It describes the data. Right. But people have been after ever since the CIA did that. They called it. Oh, it's only metadata. Now I found people that are using that same definition of metadata. Like, no, it's, that's data metadata they have that so they may say oh we're going to license you the data but then what about the metadata and the signals mm-hmm. that's yeah. also you know a critical part of it in our business it's a little bit foreign i have to tell you why because in our business the data that we have in our systems is not our data it's our customers data mm-hmm. we can't see our customers data yes they can yeah they can they always say that but it's not encrypted at rest nope um now they have at the application layer, right? There's security layers right. and things, and if but you can check a box that says, "Hey, let Salesforce in," and they can get in and see everything. Right? They can log in as basically as a full admin. So the capability for the system to see their data, it's right there. It's all in there. You know, what about the guys that maintain the database? I mean, they're working at the Oracle layer. Of course, they can see the data. Yeah. I mean, they don't have any reason to. I'm not saying they're going in there and running queries against your data or anything, but. Uh, words, words matter, man. <laughs> so when you look at the data that's in Salesforce or in, you know, these, uh, this, our service cloud or our marketing cloud community, we can't see that data. That's our customers' data. Mm-hmm. So when we work, when we let our customers build applications on that data mm-hmm. and that kind of thing, that's for them. Or even when we build our new Einstein, which is our new I'm AI. We'll talk about that. We're yeah, going to finish we this, up discussing that. Yeah, Explain. and the way we're doing AI is really different than others because. Our AI system, which is, I think, a pretty big breakthrough in how AI is done, is it can make these decisions uh, with the customer without having actually, um, uh, without us having to see or normalize the data. So talk a little. He, he gets into that, but like the the breakthrough that he's talking about. I'm afraid I'm going to step on one of my other clips here, but the breakthrough he's talking about is that it will remind you if you forgot to email someone. Anyway, well, in fact, let me, let me jump to that one because I have it right here. Talk about whether AI, where you, got, where you see AI in your company, what does it do? Does it replace jobs? Does it make things easier? Does it, what does it do? I think that, you know, it will help our uh, customers and our, and our users be more effective in their jobs. I think that will be the first step. I think that's all we can actually see at this point. Meaning what? How if, give me an example of that. Oh, well, I think, you know, take an example of uh, a, a salesperson who's working on making a sale and they are, um, they f- uh, forget to return an email of, um, you know, one of their key decision makers. Mm-hmm. You know, that decision maker is listed in their database and all the meetings they've had and discussion and their discussion mm-hmm. notes and then all of a sudden this kind of assistant, Einstein, says to them, hey, you didn't re- email that guy back. Why, don't, why didn't you do that? So, you know what else can do that? Gmail. <laughs> and that's not AI. That's not AI. 
That's not machine learning. Well, not only that, the way he described Einstein, he turned him into like this this little digital assistant. It's just well, that's kind of whether it's like the mo- mo- the modern Clippy, Clippy in the cloud. I'm just saying it's further degrading the the Einstein name, in my opinion. Well, went from being artificial intelligence to to just a little digital assistant that reminds you of things. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's see. Were we done with that one? Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Benign or things like maybe that. Maybe you should, yeah. Or maybe you should, you know, set up a call with this person to be more effective, or prioritize um, your day based mm-hmm. on you know what you're working on. So lead scoring, which is uh, again, people are always amazed when they find out Salesforce doesn't have a lead scoring because so many other systems do. Well, they do. It's called Einstein. I guess so. <laughs> Oops, what about, is this? Uh, let's see. We got some Elon here. About AI. Little Elon's always fun. Why everybody is pushing into it in Silicon Valley. I mean, it's sort of the buzzword now. Um, I forget the last one was, but um, what does that mean for... Mobile was one of them. Right, mobile, networks. yeah. I remember that one. Um, talk a little bit about well, that. Hold, hold on. I mean, did, did, did he just kind of just, just say re- all those buzzwords? Yeah, that, yeah, that we're done with that. He was just thinking what his, some of his recent buzzwords were. Mobile. That was a buzzword. No, I'm just saying it. Just it just it just proves how throwaway these things are oh, yeah. to the to, to the tech industry. They're just used as a lever to sell yeah. in the market. Yeah, I remember, yes. yeah. I remember when you know being customer first. Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't know what I was thinking then. Yeah, I remember API first. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> you seen our metadata API? Woo! <laughs> it's supposed to be. I mean, for you and for well, I think if you haven't seen the Terminator movie, it's worth yes. going to check that out. Right? Yeah. Um, what? By the way, someone who's trying to sell AI like that's not a good. <laughs> I mean, I know it's, it's a joke, but like it's not not a good example of AI. Yeah. <laughs> that didn't end so well. Yeah. yeah. It is kind of awesome because I think for a lot of the uh, you know. Um, uh, science fiction movies that have dealt in artificial intelligence for the last it always several, ends badly several decades yeah. and I think now we're starting to see the formation of some of that technology and that's why mm-hmm. we need to have more awareness around that and whether mm-hmm. it's machine learning machine intelligence deep learning mm-hmm. um, or any other level of artificial intelligence I think that um, we have seen some very significant breakthroughs, especially in the last, you know, three right. to five years. When we had Elon on stage at Code, he, he was one of the, we had Facebook and Google who control quite a bit of it. Uh, and that was sort of happy, shiny people talk about how great it would be for all of us yeah. and how helpful and how great. And the fact that they run all of it was even better. Um, you know, that's, they say They've that. also done a good jobs of pushing it into the public domain. That's right. Because they do have, this technology, unlike other technologies, mm-hmm. As these some of these next gen enterprises have mm-hmm. worked on it, you know they kind of get to another level. And one of the reasons it's going faster, mm-hmm. not just because universities mm-hmm. have had big breakthroughs in it, but because organizations like that have a slightly different technology model that we have not seen in our business before, mm-hmm. where some of these folks, whether it's the deep mind, whatever, mm-hmm. they get to a certain level where they get their next algorithm. Mm-hmm. And then they kind of push in the public right. domain as they go to work to the next level. But, but one of the things really Elon was concerned with is the control by certain companies of a lot of this technology. Mm-hmm. Um, and he felt, you know, he's pushing open AI and he's more, he's more in the Terminator school of thinking. Yep. Um, where, and I think sure. his best case scenario, I think he, um, he felt like if they treat us like house cats, it'll be okay. Um, and I interviewed Brewster Kale today of the Internet Archive, and he said the same thing. How, one day we're going to be in a cage, and we're not going to know. How are we going to know we're in a zoo? 
Okay. Well, that's how Elon thinks today. That's what's right. going on. I don't know right. if you've talked to Elon, but he, you know, Elon believes we're all in a simulation. He does. So he does. That's true. That is, we're all in. Is a that actually true? I've heard people say that. I've I've heard that said too. I, I wonder if people aren't just stretching his words or you know, twisting his words a little bit. Maybe he just likes to poke, have fun with people. I don't know. Yeah. Because on the one hand, people are, you know, obviously, here, oh, you know, Elon's this, oh, he's just so amazing. He's the smartest guy and he's doing all this cool stuff. He's going to save us all and send us to Mars and save our planet and all that. And then on the other hand, they just, they completely make fun of him yeah. at conferences. Yeah. It's like, which is it? I mean, this guy smarter is <laughs> a complete, you know, crazy idiot. Maybe he's both. Maybe. Cage. Right, yeah. And he believes that AI is already out there. Right. On us. Yes. And, um, Okay. AI is out there but on us. Other people have this. There, but yeah, that's okay. okay. Um, but, but many people do I worry. I you on that, I but you know what I understand, but many other people who do not believe we're in a simulation okay. do believe that there is worries about, one, who controls it, right. who, has the, who has more control than other people yes. um, or other companies, and right. two, that it creates job elimination. Hmm. Yeah. And I actually don't know where that was supposed to be going, but I, I got a couple more short, short ones here. Uh, it was, they were not, it was not their core business and stuff. So I think that's essentially what you're saying is that. Well, we do one thing and we're just trying to do that one thing extremely mm -hmm. well. Salesforce does one thing. I thought they had a bunch of different clouds. They do. <laughs> what do you think I meant by that? I don't know, because they do CRM marketing. just throw away comments like we do one thing. Okay. That's my favorite one. Gadgets and devices. Uh, I really only have one computer. I use a phone. It's right here. It's an iPhone. And this is all I use. And um, I don't have, I don't really use a computer. Uh, for everything I do, I do it on the phone. I've been doing this for a long time. I think that's really influenced our software quite a bit as well. Mm -hmm. Because everything works on there. Well. Yeah, but what, how he uses a computer should not influence their software because no. we have to get real, we actually have to do work. Right, you know that requires more than just tapping and tapping around on a phone a little bit here and there. Well, Checking voicemail. Well, that, it's enterprise. They're not selling to us. They're selling to the to the C level guys. Really yeah. well, and we yeah. have millions of users on the phone. Great. Okay. Last Thank question. Thank you. Huh? He uh, doesn't use a computer. That's interesting. I thought it was kind of funny that conversation with AI. How you know he they had this kind of tenuous dotted line to to sci fi where AI was was like self aware. You know, it it was self. It was thinking yeah. for itself. It was acting on its own. It wasn't. It wasn't just a bunch of algorithms. You know, making some kind of pattern recognition and a decision from that. It's. It was completely different. I don't know. Well, that was the whole uh, Terminator thing. Yeah, but I mean, it's it's like oh that look we're we're in the living in the days of sci-fi and you're and Einstein's living and breathing in Salesforce and it's like, yep. Uh, eh. Well, John, you you have a new MacBook Pro. I do. I have not been it's able to touch basically it. It's sitting in the box still. Well, yeah. I mean, I touched it. Yeah. I touched it. <laughs> but um, I played with your strip. <laughs> Marker. <laughs> it's pretty oh. cool, man. It's true. The touch strip looks good. And just. It looks and feels good. Yeah. And it's, yeah. man, it's, it was already impressive. Just, you know, when you're in, as you change apps, the touch strip changes. Is what it called? Touch bar? Yeah. Touch, touch bar. bar. Played with your bar. Um, yeah, it changes. And it works really well. And it, the only thing I noticed like that kind of that bothered me a little bit was it seems like the refresh rate's not yeah. really fast. I mean, so if you if you're if you drag it like I was I mean, I was I was deliberately trying to to expose that. So if you take it, you know, like that we were looking at that the whole string of emoji and I was like 
dragging it back and forth and you know you could kind of see yeah. the refresh rate but it, it, but, but o- it overall made, it looks really good it made sense because um i noticed on the, all the demos that they were sl- they were slowly moving it like they would touch it and they would move something slowly and i thought well maybe they're trying to illustrate the point or whatever and i'm, I'm wondering if maybe they did it on purpose so you wouldn't see that because you can i mean it's it's really responsive and it'll move yeah um but but yeah there is that one that one quirk I went and looked at prices on the what the Surface Book and also what's the new iMac uh, thing type thing, the Surface Studio. And because I was thinking, you know, these these MacBook Pros they have gotten more expensive. I mean, because they were expensive when well, because they got a tiny little iPhone in them. Yeah, but you know what? If you compare like the the the, the Escape Key one, whatever they call it, the MacBook Escape, you know, mm-hmm. it has an Escape Key. <laughs> or there's all kinds of nicknames for it. But if you compare that one to the 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 one that does have the Touch Bar. Um, it ha- it not only does it have a touch bar, but it also has a faster CPU and a, a better GPU as well. And it's $300 more. Hmm. So that touch bar, either they're spreading the cost of the touch bar across even the ones that don't have the touch bar, or it's not that much more expensive. I mean, maybe a couple hundred bucks. Yeah. But just in general, I mean... But I, I think overall, though, from those models, it is a couple hundred difference, but I think people did other numbers and compared it to like the previous generation and how the numbers are you know, even bigger than that. So it's, it's actually like a, yeah. like a $400 difference. It's like, yeah, I, I came up with like a few hundred, but somewhere, somewhere in there, it's, it's something more expensive. But anyway, I compared it to this, like the Surface and like, here's one, uh, Surface Book, it had a, core, you know, i7, so just like the higher end, MacBook 15, 16 gig of RAM, that's all you can get in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, a one terabyte SSD and um, like a GeForce 965M, I don't know what that is, but that one, that one came out to 3,300 you know, before tax, before many kind of warranties or whatever. Yeah. These things are just expensive, and that that was just the Surface Book, the not including the what was the other one called, the the Studio. Yeah, yeah, that one's really expensive. I mean, that starts like at three three thousand something, and then the upper end is like four thousand something. Yeah, so that that Surface Book was thirty three hundred, and I configured, I think it was a MacBook Pro thirteen because that was the closest size, and it it was it came out to about twenty nine hundred. So the MacBook Pro was cheaper. Hmm. But I mean, that's assuming that that your issue with the MacBook Pro is the price. I don't know. A lot of people seem to be. I don't, I don't get it. Well, I guess I do get it. They're just feeding the monster. They're just oh, yeah. making news. Yeah. Yep. Doom and gloom. Yes. This, this, you know, Apple's worth. Apple hates. This is Apple has make. no idea what developers want. Apple hates developers. <laughs> Apple's going out of business. <laughs> They're doomed. I, I enjoy. I I buy them because I enjoy using them, and I can get stuff done. I'm productive on it. That's why I use it. Well, for for a company that doesn't know anything about what developers want anymore. And is about to go out of business. They they've sold a crap ton of these. It was I don't even know what the number was. It was um, in the first like day or so. It, they it was millions. Um, they've already sold what was it? This uh, one of these companies that counts these things it said they've already sold four times as many MacBook Pros as Microsoft has sold Surface Books. In those, the, those are just fan, Surface those Books are have just been the sold. Fanboys, Jeremy. We 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 gotta wait. We gotta wait. Well, it could be. Yeah, maybe I mean, those are all pre-orders, and 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 honestly, I can't really say how this is developing because I haven't had a chance to load it up yet. Have you looked at the ASUS Chromebook Flip? Uh, Apparently, it's pretty nice. Is that the new really thin one? I or? think so. Yeah, but yeah, they sold nine times more than that. Ten times more than the Lenovo Yoga. Hmm. I mean, it, it, it's also it's hard to find a machine that's built as well as the Mac, as the MacBook Pro. Well, I mean, I mean, the, I don't think there the, is the, one. The HP actually. competitor and that ASUS competitor both are trying to go for that that type of quality. I think they're yeah. using some kind of aluminum or some kind of carbon fiber reinforcement. I don't remember what it was, but um, the, I mean, they were they're trying to get there. The surface the surface looks feels pretty solid. Um, I don't care for the aesthetics as much on it, um, but it. Mm. 
the little baby kickstand. But, but it looks like it's, it, I mean, it felt like it was pretty well built. But I haven't really looked at their, any of the defect rates or anything. Um, another thing that they discovered about these, the new MacBook Pros is they will support two external 5K displays. Mm-hmm. That, wasn't, that wasn't really, that wasn't never, it was not a claim that Apple made, ever made about it. It is. It's, it's on their website. You can support two 5Ks. Uh, it says that. I don't think it does. Maybe it said two 4Ks at least. I don't know. But it's because they, it's because, so, and also, I think the previous MacBooks, didn't they have the, they used the Iris graphics and, Apple's now opted for these. Is it AMD? Yeah, it's AMD, right? It's, it was dis- Radeon, but yeah, yeah. AMD, oh, is it? Is AMD no, AMD? it's not. A, I don't think it is Radeon. I think it's it's not ATI. It's AMD. Okay. Yeah, AMD. But they support so the the Intel one, I, th- I believe, supports three monitors, and the AMD chip supports six monitors, six regular monitors. So the way it works is the five K monitors require two. Two of those channels each, right? So, you, if you want to have four external 5K displays, that's four channels total because each of them one, each, each of them requires two channels. That leaves you two channels left over, and you have to use one of those for the built-in display. Mm. So there's one left over, but but because it supports six normal monitors, they can drive two two 5Ks. It's pretty awesome. I don't yeah. plan on. Ha- I don't know. I mean, who knows? I'm thinking about displays now at this point. That I, I'm just hoping that. Well, I don't know if it's going to happen because I, I know there's a there's a pixel density cost here, but I, I have an ultra wide at home, an LG ultra wide, and I love that one for the real estate. And it's basically like two, I don't know, twenty something inches, yeah, put together kind. But you of. said it's still tough because the pixel density is not not as high, and it's, it's just not. It's yeah. hard to go back to yeah. non retina. So. Um, anything else important that we want to get to? No. I mean, I had a bunch of other stuff. You know what? There is something I want. There's something I want. Man, we're not even coming close to getting anything. But what was it? Okay, here's a tweet from uh, someone. And he said, this thread is the perfect example for why... This is Andy Mahood. Mahood? Andy Mahood. This thread is the perfect example why Salesforce needs to fix how they handle developer support. Says devs are users too, exclamation mark. So someone says they support close the case because I'm not a premier partner. Could someone please log this? And someone replies and says, you know, you can't open a case because you're not premier support. And the guy says, yeah, apparently developer support is only offered to premier partners slash customers, which is true. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now it's boy, it's expensive to support. I mean, think about it. If you're Salesforce and you know, company is using your product and they've got people who maybe not aren't the greatest developers or don't know what they're doing. And they're going to, they're going to be creating cases for all kinds of stuff that they're just doing wrong. Right. And now you've got to have people work these cases to tell them how they're doing stuff wrong. So that's, that's a tough problem. But I wanted to just talk about this experience I had. What was it last week? And and I don't think I didn't get to it. So I had to open a case. Um, What was the problem? Oh, it was, I was getting a, what do they call it? A GAC, I guess, just Mm -hmm. an internal Salesforce error. And I couldn't figure out what it was. And, so I created a case, and I created a case in through the partner community because those are supposed to get better, better support, better service. And when you create a case, you know, there's you have to provide the org ID, which I did. Yet, you know, they ask you to grant access, which I I granted access. And then there's this big, there's this long text field with ten questions, and I answered all the questions, right? Answer all the questions. I even gave, I submitted a log, uh, an output of the log file that happens. I gave them steps to reproduce, even though they don't need it because they had the GAC number, the error ID. That's all, all I wanted to do. This is what my, my question was, 
please just look up this error ID and mm-hmm. tell me what the tell me what what happened. Right. Give me the error message. And they, you know, they respond and they say, you know, hey, I'm thanks. You know, I've got your case here. I tried to call you. However, it was routed to your old Neil Crap. I'm busy. I don't, you're going to get my voicemail during the day a lot of times. Plus, I don't want a phone call. I, you, I gave you the error ID and I, and I answered all those questions. I gave you everything you needed. All I want is the, the error message. I don't want, I don't want to have to do a go to meeting. That's it. They always want you to do a go to meeting sh- so you can show them mm-hmm. getting the GAC. Yeah. I mean, this is ridiculous. Says, I try to call you, but as, as per my understanding, you're getting a GAC. I'll be, I'll be glad to help you on this. But first, I need you, I, you know, as a part of our efforts to address your issue, please answer the following questions, which will help us understand the criticality and urgency of this issue. Number one, what percentage of your users are affected? Number two, does this affect data integrity? Number three, do you have a viable workaround? Number four, does this affect critical application functionality? And number five, what business functionality are you unable to perform? Well, you know what? No, I don't have a workaround. And it affects... None of none of those questions are even germane. No, because you're in the development cycle. Yeah, why are they sending me? Well, maybe I wasn't though. Maybe that was in production. Well, because that's what they're going to use to prioritize. I mean, the, pro- the, the, the problem is, is all those questions are a total BS. He's just giving me a runaround. And so this is my response. I said, I'm not going to say his name, comma, I find your comment to be quite inappropriate. I already answered 10 of your, the, the, the 10 questions that were asked in the case. I gave you a reproducible test case. I granted you login access. And I gave you the GAC error number. I just need an error message from the log file. Instead, you give me five more questions which aren't even germane and just waste everyone's time. Please close this case. To get your error message yet? So here's the response from him. Jeremy, thank you for your reply. I wanted to understand the urgency of the issue for which I requested the business impact. And then he... Then right on that, he said, I looked in the server logs for today and I can see more detail about the CAC. Please find the detail below. And he gives me the exception and like a stack trace and it's exactly what I needed to know. That's all that had to happen the first time. That's all he had to do. But this is their standard way of handle, handling cases. And if you, let, you want to talk about Salesforce DX, this is a big part of the DX right here. No, I get that. I get that. I mean, this is a proprietary system. It's closed source. Right, and it doesn't, and it only runs in Salesforce's cloud. I can't run it locally to see what the stack trace is. So I have to create this case. I, every time this happens, I've got to ask you guys. Mm-hmm. I don't have access. I didn't design the system that way. You did, and, th- and this is what you know. And people are paying damn good money to use this system. So when I call, when I submit a case and say, by the way, there should be an easier way to do this too. I mean, I, sh- I shouldn't even have to fill out half the crap I had to fill out to get this information. Right. Salesforce's system obviously had an internal s- server error. And I gave them the error number. That's all that should be required. So I'm curious, what was the error? It was oh gosh, I don't even remember. Let me let me look now. It was a it was a so the the actual Java error was a Java lang class cast exception. Um, string cannot be cast to a page. But anyway, yes, yeah, that string cannot be cast to a page reference v- value. But but just by knowing that, I knew exactly what I needed to change. Mm. And I don't, I don't actually, the details escape me right now, but I was like, oh, I know. I, what I didn't understand is I didn't understand how it was intending to use something because right. it wasn't documented. Actually, you know what it is? It was the, um, what's the class in Salesforce? It's the Apex Pages dot action, I think. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in, in, you can use actions in Visual Part. You can also right. use those in Apex too. But I've had, and this is something I've actually had problems with for years. Every time I try to use them, because they're not, they're not documented well at all. Right. It doesn't tell you how you use them. Because you basically just create an instance of this instance of this action class, mm-hmm. and you pass in a string, 
And it's like, well, what is it? What has to be in that string? Is it like, do I need to do dollar action, whatever in the string? Or does it, you not have to do that part of it? You know, what do you, and, and so it's just not documented. All right. Um, and when I, when I would instantiate it and then call the invoke method, which is, which returns a page, re- a page reference to you, that's when I was getting the SCAC every time. But yeah, uh, that's all I needed was his answer. And I got it figured out. But you know, th- this runaround they give you, this, this is ridiculous. They got to fix that. And it's been that way for forever. And it just needs to be fixed. Agree or disagree, John DeSantiago? I agree. And to that, I say, good day, sir. <laughs> he cut me off. <laughs> you get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir. Nice. Oh my gosh.